We've titled today's message, Are We There Yet?, as we will focus upon verse 14 of Psalm 27 that says, wait patiently for the Lord. In just a moment, two elders who currently serve on session, Bill Ringham and Susan Gallagher, will read the entire psalm from the New Living Translation. And what should be evident as it's read and as we dive into the text is that waiting for the Lord is best done when we are fully confident in God as we draw near to Him. David starts and ends the psalm that way, being confident in God and His goodness. The second thing to note is that while we don't know what's going on in David's circumstances right at the moment, he clearly is under a lot of duress, for one does not cry out for God's deliverance if it's already been taken care of. David's enemies are after him, and so he seeks God, and then he waits upon Him. Let's listen to the Scriptures. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the one thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life delighting in the Lord's perfection and meditating in His temple. For He will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in His sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At His sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing, and praising the Lord with music. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me. O oh God of my salvation, even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O oh Lord. Lead me along the right path, for my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath they threaten me with violence, yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word and for gathering your people to listen to your word, to take it in, and to allow your spirit to work within us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Mom, Dad, are we there yet? That all-too-familiar question that the kids in the back seat often ask of their parents. I know we did it, and I know our children ask us the same thing. Waiting is a hard thing to do for children. Waiting is a hard thing to do for anyone. Although today with iPads, streaming movies and the like, maybe this question is a bit obsolete when it comes to travel. In fact, I know sometimes uh, some of our grandkids have been known to ask after they are there if they can stay and watch the rest of the movie. How times have changed, right? 
Well, children, I want to address you now. Last week, Miss Kathleen enjoyed the pictures you sent her, and I started thinking, hmm, how fun is that? I'm wondering if you would be willing to do that again this week. Now, I don't want you to draw the same picture. I have a couple different ones. Yeah, I said two. I know that's a lot to ask, but I have full confidence in you. The first picture I want you to draw is a picture of you and your family driving somewhere in the car. And I want you to draw you and your siblings, if you have any, in the back seat, keeping yourselves busy. Maybe you're singing, maybe you're looking at books or videos, maybe you're sleeping, maybe you're poking your sibling, uh, whatever you're doing. Okay, now I want you to go and see if you can find two pieces of paper, some crayons and pencils, and you can get started on the first one. I'll give you more information on the second one in a little bit. For the rest of you who have not left the room and looking to fetch drawing supplies, I have a question for you. What are the things that you find yourself waiting for God to do? Pause a moment and jot that down in your mind's eye. Something that you long for from God. Something maybe you've prayed for for years. Or maybe it's something that you're not sure you've ever prayed for, but it's in your heart. And if the thing that we long for is something that aligns with God's character, which means also his word, and it's something that he just might do, then I have a second question for you. How then should you and I go about waiting on God? What does it, what should it look like? As pointed out before the reading of Psalm 27, David seems to found this to be true. Waiting on God requires a deep and abiding confidence in him. And in fact, I believe that patiently waiting on God can only flow when we place our full confidence in him, his power, and his goodness. See, when our confidence is in God and it's firm, we can wait patiently on him for anything and everything. On the other hand, when our confidence is in our own strength, rather than patiently waiting on God, we will be prone to run out ahead of him, trying to make whatever we want to happen, happen. In Psalm 27, David needs God to move on his behalf, his behalf against his enemies. He opens his prayer by putting a stake in the ground, asserting that confidence in God is the antidote to fear. David starts with, the Lord is my light. Light illuminates the darkness. Science shows us that darkness is not so much a thing as it is merely the absence of light. When light shows up, darkness disappears. I think Pastor James may have mentioned this once. I'm not sure. Flashlights are a handy invention, right? They help us to see in the dark. But you've never heard of an invention called a flash dark, have you? Instead, if we want it dark, say we've worked the night shift and we need to sleep during the day, darkening chains are most helpful because they keep the light out. The scriptures have tons of metaphors depicting God as light. Habakkuk 3, 4 speak of God's radiance being like the sunlight. Jesus says in John 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then in 1 John 1, 5, this is a message we have heard from him to announce to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. C.S. Lewis tells of a time when he was standing in a potter's shed one sunny day. 
there were spaces in the wooden slats that allowed some of the light through. One slat had a gap that was large enough to allow a sunbeam to shine through it in a rather stunning way, just like this. When this kind of thing happens, the ray of sunlight that is so clearly set off in the contrast of darkness looks as if you could reach out and grab hold of it. And while the chink in the wall gives way to the sunbeam as it probes its way into the darkness of the shed, Lewis says, rather than simply looking at the beam peering in, it's quite different than if you were to walk directly into the beam and look along the beam to its source. For noticing God's light breaking into our darkness is one thing, but looking into the light of his countenance is quite another. It reminds me of Paul's admonition in 1 Corinthians 2. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. God is David's light, his salvation, his stronghold. So he will fear no one, even those who would like to eat him for lunch. In fact, if a group of armed soldiers show up on his doorstep, ready to wage war, David says in the end of verse 3 that even then he will remain confident. For confidence in God is the antidote to fear. In verses 4, 5, and 6, David paints a picture of worshiping God. We'll come back to this later, but let's skip to verse 7. For here David continues drilling down on the problem with those pesky enemies. And this is what David shows us. Confidence in God elicits seeking his deliverance. Or at least it should. See, God's deliverance in, in this text is manifest in his protective presence, his wise, wise guidance, and his righteous vindication. David seeks God's presence even though it seems as if he's distant. Look at verse 7 through 9. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper. It must have been hard for David He'd already experienced both God's presence and deliverance before to now feel as if God was far off. Whether it's because of a sin that often clouds our ability to sense God or whether it's simply God's sovereign way of testing David's faith, either way, it's hard. We can relate. Jesus tells us he will never leave us nor forsake us, and yet there are times where we can feel like he's on study leave somewhere. David's confidence in God and his promises elicited a request to be in his presence. And that in and of itself can bring, bring deliverance from, God's, from David's enemies. I remember a time, a long time ago, when I was a little kid. And when I say a little kid, I mean a little kid. For I was the shortest boy in my class until fourth grade. And the only reason that changed was not because I had this great growth spurt. It's because Mikey Holland moved to town, and he was a good six inches shorter than me. So when I was this little kid, it was winter. My uncle, who was about three years older than me, but as I stood next to him, he could have been six feet tall as far as I knew. Did I mention I was short? Yeah, I was. Well, some neighborhood boys who could be quite the bullies spotted us a ways off, and they began to pelt us with snowballs. They were more like ice balls. You know how the snow melts and it kind of refreezes. It's like rocks. One hit me square in the face, turned my face beet red. 
I was hurt. I was vulnerable. Although my uncle did not take out after them, he used his louder than outside voice to yell at them big time. He stood up for me. They stood down. I was safe because in that moment, he was there. He had vanquished my snowball-throwing enemies. How much more to be in the presence of a strong and loving, powerful and merciful, amazing and yet approachable God in Jesus Christ. For when we are there, we can and should take comfort. <laughs> Love Jesus' words in Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because I, he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight of the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. God is present and in our midst, and God delivers by his protective presence. God also delivers with his wise guidance. David, David asks in verse 11, teach me how to live, O Lord. Teach me, lead me along the right path, for my enemies are waiting for me. God also then delivers with his righteous vindication, verse 12. Basically, David says, keep those crazies away from me, God. They are making all kinds of stuff up about me that I never did. Jesus reminds us this in Matthew 10. But when you arrest, they arrest you, do not worry about what you'll say or how you say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. God's righteous vindication in the midst of trouble. We, like David, should seek his deliverance as we wait on him. Moving to verse 13, David re returns to the place that he began the 27th Psalm. For waiting on God requires a deep and abiding confidence in him. David is in need of God's deliverance. So he asks God for it, and then he patiently waits. Verse 13. Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for God. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. David's confidence is firmly fixed on God and his goodness. For he has experienced it, and he's banking on the sure and certain hope that he will see it again yet in his life. And so he will wait patiently for God, and he invites us to do also. Speaking of Jesus, James instructs in chapter 5, verse 8, you too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. You know, the, the words used in the psalm, bravery, bravery and courage, are the same words used to encourage and challenge soldiers right before they go out for battle. Moses uses the same language to exhort Joshua right before he rallies the Israeli troops against their enemies. And then Joshua, in turn, utilizes the same words with the men right before the battle begins. David strengthens Solomon in the same way when he's about to take the reins of leadership. Be brave, courageous, yet wait patiently for the Lord. Waiting is its place of preparation. And all too often, if you're like me, we prefer action. And this preparation is done in the inner part of the soul. As you and I feed on God's word, as you and I are strengthened by his Holy Spirit in prayer, as we are reminded of God's goodness, as we praise and worship him. Okay, I want to pause and talk to my young artist once more. So children, I hope the first picture's done, but if not, you've got all afternoon to finish it. Um, but I have a second picture I'd like you to draw. 
In this picture, I want you to show yourself worshiping God. It can be in your home with your family. It can be at big church at CPC. It can be in kids' ministry with one of your teachers. And then I want you to ask your parents to drop off both these pictures at CPC office or mail it to us, or you can email it to anybody on the kids' team, and they'll make sure I get to see it. Make sure you ask your parents to write your name on there, or if you, better yet, if you want to sign it, that would be great. So, there's your second picture. Ready, set, go. Okay, those of you who are not doodling, or even if you are, waiting on God is not jumping in and taking control of the situation and trying to coerce the results that we want. It's not a passive thing either. It's not something in which we sit idly by in the comfort of our porch swing where we say, okay, God, I'm going to rest here until you do something. The word wait has a sense of sitting on the edge of one's seat in anticipation. Waiting on God is a work of preparation. It's done by being with him. Maybe in the comfort of the same porch swing, but rather than merely rocking in the wind, it may be like David, fervently seeking his deliverance for whatever it is we need. And while we wait, we should immerse ourselves in his word, basking in the presence of his spirit, remembering what he has already done, reflecting on where he has already met you and me with his goodness. For it is there that our confidence is confirmed and grown. See, when our confidence is firmly placed in who God is, waiting on him really is not that big of a deal. I'm not saying it's easy, but when our confidence is firmly in and on him, we can wait on him for anything and everything. Again, what is it you're longing for from God? Maybe it's a dead COVID-19 virus or a vaccine or healing for this disease or other illnesses. Maybe it's greater freedom for the loved ones who are confined in a place that you can't visit them and see them face to face. Or maybe it's just humble and respectful conversation around political views and solutions to any of the things above. Or maybe it's waiting for that senior pastor that we know God is going to bring us. I know, I've probably been here way too long. Actually, we love being in your presence. We wait for things on the Lord that he's in the midst of doing, and we trust him because we're confident in him, seeking God's deliverance in prayer like David did, believing he is who he is, and he is, he said, and he will do what he said he'll do. He will complete the things that he started Place your full confidence in him. Believe. And then do the things we know we're supposed to do while we're waiting. Love him with all you've got. And love others so much that you're willing to share the confidence you have in Jesus with them. And then lastly, something that I'm passionate about and I believe is at the very core of believing and doing as well as waiting. Something it, that I believe if we try to do without it, we'll find ourselves kind of resorting to the grit your teeth and do it in your own strength approach, and that is worship. Let's close by looking briefly at verses 4-6 that I skipped. For I am persuaded that the heart of patiently waiting for God is the worship and praise of Him. 
For confidence in God is not only the antidote to fear, is not only elicits seeking his deliverance, and it not only makes, makes waiting patiently on God possible, but it also bursts this desire to be with him, lifting him up in our heads and our hearts. See, confidence in God draws us towards him with worship and praise, which in turn enables us to wait patiently on him. It's a bit circular, but it's a good thing. One leads to the other, which leads to the other, which leads to the other, which confidence leads us to worship, and worship bolsters our confidence, and it goes on. Verse 4, David says, The one thing I ask of the Lord, one thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. Verse 6, Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me, At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing praises, the Lord, and singing and praising the Lord with music. C.S. Lewis writes, Only in the act of praise and worship can a person learn to believe in the goodness of God. While we wait, we can, we should, we will praise him. John Ortberg writes this, I need to worship because without it, I lose a sense of wonder and gratitude and plod through life with blinders on. As we move into this next song, I invite you, if you're comfortable, to close your eyes and let these words take root in you as we worship. And then at any point you desire, let's look back at the screen and join with your voice praising Jesus, seeking him and drawing near. For in waiting, we are to worship and praise him. Praise the one who can move the mountains, reminding ourselves of his greatness, his goodness, and his love. Let's pray together. Almighty, all-powerful God, we are grateful for your goodness. We are grateful for how you've worked in our lives and how you've already brought some things to fruition in each one of us that is good and of you. And Lord, as we endeavor to wait on you into those things that you are doing in our midst that we long for, might you help us lean into you with confidence that you are in control and that you hear our prayers and you will deliver. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.